This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We are continuing with uh, last Sunday's lesson, so if you didn't bring uh, the notes back with you this week that you had last week, shame on you. But because some of you are sitting there with shamed faces, we happen to have some extras. Anybody need, an, anybody need the notes for the day? Okay, looks like we've done a good job in getting those out. We're, uh, we're talking about short-term missions. And um, I, I made the statement last Sunday that this is, this is probably one of the most important in this series of lessons on on missions, all of them are important, but um, <clears throat> but I'm glad that uh, that Brother Tavis in preparing these uh, lessons for us for uh, this missions month included this lesson, this series, this this lesson in the series because we're we're involved as a church in short-term missions, and I thank God for the opportunities that we give as a church to to you and other members of the church to involve yourselves in a short-term mission trip. These are important, and uh, we covered some important points of that last Sunday, and we're gonna continue it today. But <clears throat> we have several in our class that have taken short-term mission trips and, uh, and have been blessed by it. In fact, our entire church has been blessed by it. One of the reasons, and I, I shared these comments uh, about uh, the inclusion of this in the series with, uh, with Brother Long um, and uh, told him that I believe that, um, that one, of the reason why is, one of the reasons why this, this lesson is important in this series is to teach us as a church, as a corporate body, the importance of getting behind these short-term mission uh, trips. Uh, our teenagers plan one every other year, and as you know, we go, we go to great lengths to raise money for that. It takes a lot of money to send all those teenagers uh, overseas someplace, you know, to, to be a blessing to a church. They've been to St. Kitts several times. They've been up to Vancouver. They've been uh, Alaska. Um, other places, and some of you have gone as sponsors on those teen trips, and, uh, and many of you have contributed in, in different ways to funding those trips for our teenagers. And it's been a blessing to see how God has used those short-term trips in the hearts and the lives of some of our teenagers and has challenged them with, teen, with, uh, with missions. And... Um, but some, uh, some of you uh, other folks, some of you folks in our class have been. Reggie's one of them. And uh, I went to Reggie last Sunday, and I said, Reggie, next Sunday, I, uh, I would like for you to give a testimony. And, uh, and here's pretty much the way I put it to Reggie. I said, I don't care if you talk about what you did, but I'm more interested in what God did in your life and the blessing that a short-term missions trip uh, was to you and how it impacted you personally in a spiritual way. And so Reggie's going to come in just a few moments and share with us uh, the, um, 
the thoughts on his heart at this time. And then also I uh, had one other, um, Mark Bailey also asked that if he could have a few minutes as well. So Reggie, come and share your heart with us at this time. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, I've been privileged to go on three different major trips uh, here with this church. But I was thinking this morning as Lauren Asher sang that song, Oh Glorious Love, that he should stoop to save a soul like mine. Very moving. But I thank God that he chose to save a soul like mine so unworthy and that I had opportunities to go and be part of missions trips that this church sent out. The first mission trip that I went on was in Havelock, North Carolina and it was an AFBM church there. A mission that was trying to get back on its feet because a previous pastor had gotten into sin and tried to continue to maintained the church and people just left. And this young man with his wife and two kids come after having gotten out of the Marines. He had been stationed at Cherry Point, which was there at Havelock. And uh, he went to college and come back and took over that work to try to get it going. And the main building, it was a metal building it was very, very deteriorated. And uh, uh, Brother uh, uh, Doug Carragher got me to go with him down there and survey all the issues and uh, do the pre-planning. And uh, then he actually dumped me <laughs> and went on a trip himself and left us to carry this off. But anyway, uh, we were able to go there with a crew we carried some teenagers with us. Uh, that's not all bad. Sometimes the teenagers have a tendency to want to play instead of work, and it takes a little bit more effort to get some of them to work. Some of them work without question. But anyway, uh, we had a good group of guys, and just before we were getting ready to leave, uh, they had some electrical work and a sound system they wanted to put in. And uh, one of the guys that had signed up to go with us, and that was his specialty, uh, weren't able to go. And we began to consider what we might do. And I got a call that said, there's a young man in New Hampshire that his friend goes to that church, and he's a building contractor, and he specializes in electrical. Wants to come down and help work with you. Amen. Does God take care of things there? Amen. <laughs> I mean, just, there's no way, there's no way you, you can say that was coincidence. God worked that out. And that young man, he was mid to late 20s. He was a young man. <laughs> he could do many things that a lot of us old guys couldn't do. But we were able to go in there uh, and, and do the work and, uh, we had a couple guys that volunteered that uh, maybe physically were not able to do the work that we had. In fact, one of the guys after the first full day of work come and said, 
Reggie, I don't believe I'm going to be able to make it. I think I'm going to have to go home. I said, brother, why don't you just stay here and encourage the other guys? See how you make out. And he agreed to do that. But let me tell you, he was instrumental in a gentleman in our church by the name of Ray Gore to go on that trip. Ray went simply because he went. Amen. Okay? And Ray was a worker. And you just wouldn't believe the camaraderie that went on, how the fellowship and the union grew between us. Uh, here's a guy that I may have spoke to one time during church. He walks in that door today. I speak to him. <laughs> if I see him, I head to him. He developed a uh, relationship with him because of, of this opportunity to be able to uh, work with him. And, and, and he was a worker. He was, he was a shipyard, Norfolk Naval Shipyard. He was a worker, okay? Everybody says, they don't work. Let me tell you, some of them work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Uh, our first day, we went in with uh, power blasters, hydro blasters, uh, pressure washers, and blasted that whole building down. We had three of them, and guys were helping them move stuff out of the way, and we had three guys blasting. It started a little dark clouds come over. Started a little bit of misty rain. You're getting more wet from the blaster than you were getting from the rain. We never knocked off. And about the middle of that, Tommy Warrington was with us, and he was going to do some work in, a, in the nursery there. And we had to go get some a wallboard to do repairs there in that nursery. And so we got in his truck, and we headed to Lowe's. We didn't get a mile from the church. And there was a dirtluge everywhere, water standing in the ditches, almost up in the, up in the uh, rows. And we went over into 17, and 17 had an island in it. And it was full of water. Mm. God kept that rain off of us. We didn't even know it was coming. And it didn't come. And... You know, we saw God work in, in many ways uh, through that. And uh, we went on a Wednesday, and we were going to work through Saturday and stay for church on Sunday morning and then come home. On Friday evening, Friday night, we had rain. And we were working inside, and the evening was spent, and we had done what we could outside, and we had completely painted the building on the outside, with the exception of the trim. And we had to do the trim. I woke up. We, we slept in the sanctuary. We had cots that we slept in the sanctuary. It was a metal building. It was raining. <laughs> you ever been in a metal building with the rain? Okay. Yeah. It was raining. You could hear it, and it was raining. I got up about 2.30 in the morning. I went and cracked the door open, and it was coming down. And I come over, and I sat down on my little cot. I prayed, and I said, God... You know what there's left to do. If you want us to finish it, you have to do something about this rain. And uh, I went on back to bed. And probably about 7 o'clock, we, we went to breakfast every morning at 7. The uh, pastor corps and his wife cooked for us while we were there. And uh, we went to breakfast. And as we come back from breakfast, it was kind of misty a little bit, but it was slowing down. And so we went inside and we started uh, Finishing up what we'd done, we, we painted the whole inside of the sanctuary, uh, the trim and everything, did the work in the nursery, and did the whole outside of that building. And uh, 
About 9.30, somebody said, well, you know, the rain stopped. Do you reckon we could just wipe the trim down and paint it? And so that's what we did. We wiped the trim down, and we go in, and everybody turned to, and we painted the outside trim. That afternoon, late afternoon, as we were finishing up, put everything away about 30 minutes after we finished doing all the trim, the rains came again. But we finished it. We saw God work. Amen. You just can't relate to that. You just can't relate it to anybody, to how God blessed and how you saw God working. You saw God working in things that you knew were going on, and that rain that was a mile away that we didn't even have an idea it was like that. God worked and kept us going. And so as, as you know, I think that, think of that and, and think of how God worked and the blessing that he provided. You know, it wasn't just a feeling, it was a maturing of yourself as you saw God working in your life. I'd seen God answer prayer before. I, you know, I'd had God answer prayer in my life, but, you know, it renewed afresh God's power to control things in your life. Our, our second trip was Mercy's Vessel. Uh, we, we did Mercy's Vessel in August of 2017. Uh, Buddy Pierre, who now has, uh, yeah. Sea <laughs> Hope. Sea Hope, okay. Uh, was heading that up, and, and we went with a group of guys. There was, I think, five of us that actually went. And uh, as we went in, uh, we stopped at a little place and had lunch before we went over to the ship. And I sent a photo to Pastor Coles, because it was in Elmer, Pennsylvania, <laughs> at a little restaurant. And I quickly got a response, that's where I'm from, that's my home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that trip, uh, we had five personnel. We had Tommy and Mike Rock and Tony Fatico and Mark, his son. And, and myself, and at, as we got there, uh, we met a guy by the name of Frank Olaf. Frank Olaf was heading up that particular ministry. I don't know if any of you have ever met, met him or not. Uh, Frank goes on many missionary trips. He's a retired contractor, building inspector for down around Raleigh, North Carolina. But as, as we go in, you know, Frank, really interested in how much supervision do you need. And in that position, sometimes he comes in with people that need supervision. They're not very skilled. And uh, as he looked at us and said, well, what, what do I need? I said, show us what you need done. And he did. And I said, we got it. And we did. And we were able to uh, work there. And, we established a very good relationship with Frank. Uh, that became very unique because, as it turns out, my daughter eventually went to Noose Baptist Church where Frank is a deacon. And the first time that I went to that church, I think Jonathan Brock's wife, now, then Danielle, goes and tells Frank, hey, Reggie Wall is here. <laughs> and Frank comes walking out. I didn't expect to see Frank. 
he walks out and he gets in view of me and he gives me one of these. <laughs> and I was very surprised. Of course, I got a picture of him when he did that. But uh, we, we were able to have a very productive week. And Gina come down in the middle of that week and helped uh, Mrs. Pierre with uh, Pierre. Uh, with, with the cleaning parts and cooking and different things that they did. And, uh, you know, that laid a desire to support her during her mission work as we began to get more exposed to the work that was going on. And uh, God, as well as that, established a special relationship and encouragement with Frank Olaf. His name is Olofton, whatever, but they call him Olaf for short. Uh, but anyway, every time I go see my daughter and we go to the church, Frank hears I'm there, he looks me up. And I try to look him up first now, but most of the time he beats me to it. Uh, but we established a special relationship. Uh, Frank headed up the ministry on Sea Hope. When Sea Hope became the uh, ship uh, that the buddy and his wife, uh, Mary, would uh, work from, uh, he moved over and, and he headed up that work. So he's been very important in that particular aspect. But it's been a blessing to get to know him, find out what work he's working on. And his question always, where are you going next? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, God has blessed in so many ways, uh, established so many relationships that you just can't name and you can't express how God has allowed that to work in your life. And then, of course, this last one we did was in Puerto Rico at the Puerto Rico Baptist Bible College with Pastor Suni Ponce. And Brother Ponce was raised in Mexico. He's a Mexican. And got saved. Went to Bob Jones University to study for the ministry. And lo, he found a wife <laughs> that was from Puerto Rico. <laughs> and so he comes back to, excuse me, he comes back to Puerto Rico. I've got to use my hands. He comes back with his wife. There's a young girl from uh, Bob Jones University, and they start a work there in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. And uh, Brother Kanik, help me pronounce his name, that had the college. You remember? Can you help me? Casillas? Casillas, okay. Brother Casillas, you know, started that work, and he'd been here many times. Uh, we, you know, we felt a special uh, attachment to him and to that college and to that work. And uh, Brother Casillas and his wife have passed. And uh, Pastor Suni, he likes to be called Pastor Suni, uh, Pastor Suni is now the administrator for that college as well as being the pastor of the church there in uh, San Juan. And so we went to San Juan and we took teenagers, adults, old men, <laughs> okay? Uh, you've probably heard in some of the reports, my wife was not happy that I made that trip. Reggie, you're going out of the country. You're going to a third world country. You're not as young as you used to be. You need to think about that. Well, 
you know, I began to consider it. And uh, I thought my brother-in-law was going. Tommy, if you go, I'll go. <laughs> and that's kind of the way it went. Well, unbeknownst to me, my brother-in-law didn't sign up to go. And I'm saying, if I have a problem, they can help take care of me. <laughs> and, uh, and then Tommy had an issue. Tommy couldn't go. So Reggie went as the old man. Uh, but, you know, COVID had been a very big thing in, in San Juan and in Puerto Rico, and the rules and the laws have been much tougher than anything that we've seen. The churches could not meet, and they were just beginning to meet, and attendance was significantly down because people was reluctant to come back yet. And we had certain criteria in order to get in the country. Uh, there was 15 of us. I was the only one that had both shots. And all I had to do was bring my record, and I got right in. The other ones, they had to take tests, and, they, and it had to be a PRC test, which means it takes a couple of days to get the answer back. It has to be within 72 hours of entering the country, and so it's a very tight. And, and a couple of our guys left Norfolk, and they didn't have the results yet. And as we got into Puerto Rico, we went to Atlanta and Puerto Rico. Uh, one of the guys, we were held up maybe a couple hours, and finally he got an email giving his results, and all of us were able to get in, thank the Lord. Uh, and we had a good week. God blessed. Had a lot of work. Immediately, Pastor, uh, Pastor John Radisey said, Brother Reggie, you know, we don't know anything about doing this stuff. You know, we got to have somebody that knows what they're doing. We want you to head it up. Now, we're standing in the college. <laughs> I went there to work, and I was looking forward to working. I wasn't looking there to head nothing up. But anyway, uh, we, we took the challenge, and we had a couple of the guys that took on the cabinet making. Uh, Ryan and, and Matt uh, took on the they had a cabinet maker that was putting together some stuff for inside, inside the uh, uh, dormitories. But uh, we took on the challenge of painting the outside of one, two, three, I think it was just four buildings, just four buildings. And they were big buildings. And uh, we were to paint the walls, the trim, everything on those buildings. And I don't know if you know anything about Puerto Rico, but everything has bars on them. All the windows, all the doors, everything has bars. And we weren't painting the bars, we're painting in behind the bars. And, you know, tedious work. But anyway, uh, we went with a group and we had some teenagers. One, one of the kids with us was 14 years old. He worked. All the kids worked. Every day, after every meal, one of the guys give a devotion. Every day. I took my turn. On Saturday, after lunch, we had a young man named Noah Weaver that gave the devotions. Most of you know Noah. I hope you do. Noah is a freshman at BJU. He got a baseball scholarship from BJU. But anyway, 
he gave a devotion. And after every devotion, Brother Radisey would just kind of summarize some statements about the devotion. And that day, he made some statements. Somebody else made some statements. So next thing you know, we had a testimony meeting going from that devotion. And then in the middle of it, we had a young man that began to cry and says, I've got sin in my life and I need forgiveness. Right in that meeting, right from that testimony time, right from that devotion time that was given from a young man that uh, God and his spirit moved and, and, and just worked in our life. And uh, how, how does that affect things? Uh, Noah has gone to be an engineer at Bob Jones University, still engineering. I heard the other day he's thinking about changing his major. He wants to be a youth minister. Okay. Maybe he'll do that. Maybe God will lead him differently. God, God can use some engineers <laughs> in his work too, I can tell you. Uh, but, you know, we had a week of hard work. We enjoyed it. Uh, the pers personnel that we had, uh, we had a young man named, oh, he wasn't a young man. We had a man's name. He wasn't an old man either. Uh, we, we had a man named Brian Boyd. Does that name ring a bell with anybody? Brian and his wife and daughter joined this church about two or three weeks ago. He wasn't even a member, but he is a Portsmouth chaplain for the Portsmouth Police. And you may remember that part about it. We've developed a relationship that will be everlasting, a blessing that will be everlasting. Uh, we had some staff that went with us. That was the first trip that I went on that we had staff. Uh, Brother Radisey and Brother Brown. Brother Brown. I don't know if you know that. Brother Brown's a good cook. He went to cook. Brother Radisey went to help and to serve. And, and it was a blessing. Uh, you think, I, I think of Jesus when he went and washed the disciples' feet. You know, they, they were servants. They were staff, but they were servants. Excuse me. And, you know, Jesus, let me, let me turn to that real quick. In John chapter 13, got to wear these. It says, so after he had washed their feet and had taken this, uh, verse 12, and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, you know what I have done to you? You call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for well, so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Our Lord wasn't above being a servant. No. And we as Christians need to understand we're, you know, we, need, we need to serve. Our job is to be servants. We had two of our pastoral staff that were servants that week. Brother Brown got up before most of us. I usually beat him up, but because I'm an early riser, go in and fix 
put the coffee on. You know, we fixed the coffee the night before and just pushed the button. But he got up before everybody, pretty much. Got breakfast going. Come in, he got lunch going. They come in, they got supper going. He'd go, go get supplies and bring them back and, and cook. And, and Brother Radice would help him. And he'd, Brother Radice washed dishes. I wonder if his wife knows that. Uh, <laughs> he washed dishes. He cleaned up. They were servants. And uh, as, as, as we went through all that, you know, God showed himself powerful. He showed himself worthy of worship. And we developed special relationships with Christian brothers. We developed a desire to see those works that we had part of move forward for God. Brother Sunni borrowed a van to bus us around because his van was so dilapidated. And he's trying to raise money for a van. We, we come back saying, we need to help him raise money for a van. We have contact with Brother Sunni. Uh, a couple of needs that they've had, we've been able to uh, share with, with one another. But, you know, one, one thing that stands out in my mind is we had a brother, two of his sons were there. And we were able to get along on top of a building and just talk and pray, deal with some issues he was having. And God helped him work through those issues while we were there. He had some issues with the church. He had some issues with some other things going on. He come back and apologized to Brother Asher. I talked to him the other day, and he's retired. And uh, first time retirement, like me, retired. He's going to retire twice. Uh, his first time retirement, he's retired from the military, and he's thinking maybe one of his ministries is. He wants to be like, I guess, Frank Olaf that I just described. He wants to do helps ministry for churches that need help. And the Lord is dealing with him. And these Sunday school lessons have driven him that he believes the Lord is calling him to that. He asked me the other day to pray for him. Uh, and that started with this trip. Uh, God works wondrous for us. God works in things that we don't know he's doing. God works in things that we know he's doing so that we're able to see his handiwork. And God has done that and he has blessed me and he's encouraged me. And I don't know on the next mission trip, I, I may go. <laughs> I just may go. I, uh, I didn't say this, but on, in my Havelock trip, I experienced some health problems. Didn't know what it was. And after I got home and was able to get diagnosed, I found out I was having atrial fibrillation. Uh, but we were able to work through that in Havelock. And uh, thank God, eventually, I got a heart ablation and I have no more atrial fibrillation. That's a 70% success rate. Mine was 100%. I just thank God.
Amen. Thank you, Reggie. That was a tremendous blessing. I'm so grateful for, for how God used those trips in your life. When I pastored in Hopewell, Virginia, we had, we had a man in a church. His name was Brother Cole, Guy Cole. And he was, he was kind of a, a master of all things, you know. And, and um, he, I mean, he, you could call and ask him to do anything, and he, he had the skill to do it. And somebody in the church made the statement when he went to be with the Lord. Now, I'm leading up to something, say something about Reggie, so I'm not suggesting that you go to be with the Lord anytime soon, <laughs> But at his uh, funeral service, um, I, f I forget who it was. It may have been his son-in-law, who was one of the deacons of the church, and said, you know, you can look around this church and you can see Guy Cole's footprints everywhere. And that was true. He touched everything in that church. And that's true of Reggie here. Look around you. You know who redecorated and uh, rebuilt this auditorium? Reggie Wall and, um, and Tommy Warrington. And then there were several others that helped too. Uh, right, right, absolutely. And uh, there were others that were involved, but uh, but Reggie and Tommy headed that thing up. They built all of this um, platform and everything. Now, um, um, I'm having one of those senior moments. <laughs> In fact, my senior moments are usually senior half hours. <laughs> <laughs> I sat alongside him up in the live stream. Gibson, Gibson, Ryan Gibson. Ryan Gibson built, built this, uh, built this uh, security wall here, this uh, modesty wall in front of the, the um, choir and so on. And we thank the Lord for that. But anyway, we, we appreciate you, Reggie. Reggie. And, and uh, since you retired um, from your regular job that you got paid for, yeah. you, <laughs> you've been very diligent to continue using your skills for the glory of God. Appreciate that. Okay, uh, Mark Bailey, where are you? Uh, Mark's been on several of our short-term trips, and uh, so he, he wants to share some things with us this morning as well. Now remember, I still have to teach a yes, lesson. I, I will. In other words, keep it short, stupid. Uh, now, as the pastor said, Pam and I have been on several teen mission trips. We go there to cook, and... Uh, it's funny because we always tell the teenagers, save, you know, they weigh their luggage. We say, save room because each one of you have got to take two big bacon potatoes and two cans of Spam. And they said, well, why would I take Spam for? I said, well, we're going to be eating it. And after the trip, all of them said, Mr. Bailey, I didn't know you could use and cook Spam that many ways. I mean, we just... <laughs> But you have to because everything's got to be shipped in over there on these islands, and it's so expensive. Uh, a gallon of milk is almost $4 for a gallon. And anyway, we saw the people, and we take for granted. Uh, I get up Sunday morning, and, and I'm saying, well, what time am I going to wear? What shirt looks nice and pressed? What pants look nice and pressed? Over there, those people are poor. 
A uh, lot of them don't even have a bathroom in their house. They've got pipes up and down the road where they can go get water to drink. And then in the center of the city, they've got a public bathroom. And they can go in there and take a shower and use the bathroom. And we take for granted the stuff that we have. Uh, over there, one day for lunch, we had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, y'all may think, that's all you gave them, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Over there in St. Kitts, they think that's a, a delicacy. That's like lobster to them. I mean, they just, they love. Uh, we had a boy named Lemmy, who's a deaf mute, and we'd always invite him to have lunch with us. And he loved peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and he loved pancakes. And because pancakes you could make cheap. And you'd say, Lemmy, you want some more? And, you know? We'd slap two or three more pancakes on his plate and, and he'd wolf them down. But, you know, we take little stuff like that for granted. The, the children, uh, when we went back to, the, to that church several times, several years ago, and you'd have a young lady come up to you and hug you and say, you might not remember, but eight years ago when you were here and did a vacation Bible school, I got saved, and I've been coming to this church ever since. And I mean, it just it just breaks your heart. And we had one mission trip we went to in Aruba, and uh, it was kind of discouraging. Uh, Brother Howard had rented this uh, facility and uh, community center, and we went in there the day before to to look and see what all we had and and where we we're going to set up and this that and the other. And the whole kitchen part of that was filled with beer cans and liquor bottles. And that's a party island. And when the sun goes down, the party buses come out. And those party buses will run all around that hour, that, that island, all the way until sun comes up in the morning. And they're shuffling people around that are lost and that are drinking and partying and have a good time. And Howard said that that girl, Natalie Wood, that got killed, they said that uh, she had been on that party bus. And so it broke our heart to realize that, uh, you know, people are, are, are dying, they're, they're lost, they're going to hell. Unless we can get out there and get the word to them and get the preachers to preach. And if you go out and get the kids, believe it or not, you get the children into church, you get them saved, they'll eventually, the parents will come in to see what's going on. They'll hear, they'll hear the word and they'll get saved. And then the church will grow and that's how you do it. You, like the pastor said, you're sowing the seed and let the Lord water it and let the, the preacher that's there, let him harvest it. But, you know, we can do it. But that trip to Aruba, it was very discouraging because uh, we only had two or three people get saved. And so Wednesday night, we went to Howard's house and had uh, Wednesday night service, prayer service. And we prayed that the Lord would, would give us more souls that, um, 
you know, we were all kind of discouraged and down in the dumps. And we had rented two houses, and Mark Taylor had the boys, and me and Pam had the girls. I don't know why he did that. Uh, I'm used to one woman in my house. <laughs> when I go there and here's seven to nine women, and they all got to go to the bathroom, they all got to do their makeup, their hair, it, but it all, wor it all worked out. I mean, as Brother Tommy said, God just made things fall right in place. But we went back to the house Wednesday night, and we had noticed that the house had gotten broken into. And there was a safe in our room, and we had put valuables in that safe, including our passports. And first thing I did was run upstairs. And they had beat that safe to death until it opened up. And I was so afraid that we had lost all of our passports. And so I looked around the room and started finding a passport here, passport there, passport over here. But they had stolen uh, jewelry from some of the teenagers. They had stolen uh, about $250 in cash uh, from various people. And the girls were all upset. They wanted to pack their bags and come home. Uh, I wanted Mark Taylor to leave me there and turn the lights off, and uh, I was going to wait. But uh, he insisted that Pam and I go to a hotel. And, uh, but anyway, the next day we, we got up, and Pam and myself told the girls, said, look, you know, it's going to work out. Everything happens for a purpose. God's in control. And so we went to vacation Bible school, and Pam and I, myself went in there to get the the snack ready for all the kids. And one of the teenagers come running in and said, Mr. Bailey, said, you and Miss Bailey got to get out here and help us. Said, uh, it's just unreal. Well, Pam's first thought was they were doing that to get treats. And so we went out there, and here's about 40 kids. And so Pam and myself started talking to them and we're asking them, you know, why they came forward. And they would tell you, I want Jesus in my heart. And so I, I told Pam that night, you know, I told the girls, I said, you know, if we would have done what everybody said, just pack up, come home, we would have missed the opportunity to win them 40 souls. And it's hard to tell, like that Aruba, like that St. Kitts girl, those kids might stay at that church. They may marry someone. They may have children, and that may spread. And it, it just it touched my heart to see how God could use the teenagers and Mark Taylor and Patty Taylor and myself and Pam to, to do these things for these kids and to see the growth coming forward. And one last thing. Uh, Mark and myself would always joke around with Howard. And uh, Howard and Mark and myself like to punch each other in the chest. Well, Mark, uh, Howard Chapel would hit Mark in the chest, and he didn't know it, but I was behind him. And I'd reach around and grab him, and then Mark Taylor would sit there and say, yeah, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And so we, we joked around with him. And it was just joking with us. 
But Joyce Chapel came up to us and she said, y'all don't know how much that fellowship encourages him and, and lifts him up. And here's just something that we do naturally, but little things like that. And it just broke my heart to realize that, you know, these mission missionaries that go out on these mission fields, uh, they have to experience harsh environments and, and they don't have friends and fellowship like they have back here, but they still do it. And it's because of God. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that so much. Mary Lynn, um, I'm not sure where you are on, this, on the slides from last week because I don't have my script numbered like yours is. But we're on Roman numeral number three. No, we're on Roman numeral number five. Trust me. <laughs> we're on Roman numeral number three. Uh, letter, letter C. That's where we stopped. And I can't, this screen is off here, so I can't see what's on the screen. Okay, it looks like you're in the right place. So I'm going to go as far as I can, and, <clears throat> and the rest of this lesson is important. There's so much here that, uh, that I need to share with you that probably what I'm going to do is maybe just talk from the hip here a few minutes, and we'll come back to it next week and finish this lesson, because I, I want to give you what, what, uh, what's in the rest of the lesson even though you have most of the lesson there with you in your notes, uh, there's some other things that I'd like to, that I'd like to add. Um, where we did leave off is that, that uh, thank you, you got that screen on again. It's probably not going to last, but. Okay. But um, short-term workers can bring others to the kingdom. And you've heard that in both these testimonies this morning. And those 40 kids that just came and um, came out of the blue, more or less, was that in, was that in Aruba? Yes, sir. In Aruba? Um, <clears throat> Jan and I have been in Aruba. We've been there. Have we been there twice or one time? One time, okay. And uh, now we've been in Aruba twice, haven't we? Okay. <laughs> One time in reality, the other time was in my dreams. <laughs> it's my secretary. She keeps track of me. She helps me in my senior moments, my senior half hours, okay? Um, Long-term work is not the only way God produces fruit. And um, those of you who have been on these short-term trips, uh, you've seen a lot of fruit, especially the teenagers. And um, only God knows the result of some of the other trips that have been taken, uh, like Puerto Rico, for example. Uh, I've been in Puerto Rico, I think it's three times, and, and have been there at uh, Puerto Rico Baptist College. In fact, I've preached there several times. Mike Casillas and I were, were very close friends. We, we went to college together, and uh, we've known each other uh, we knew each other. Mike is with the Lord now, and so is his wife, Linda. Um, 
but a, a dear godly man, a godly man. And uh, somebody said of Mike one time, he'll give you the shirt off his back, and I have literally seen him do that. Uh, he had a tape recorder back in the days when tape recorders were, some of you don't even know what a tape recorder is anymore. Um, <clears throat> and um, there was somebody else, this was while he was in college, and there was somebody else that needed, needed a tape recorder more than he needed, and he just gave it to him. And that's the kind of guy Mike was. But God called him, he was from Puerto Rico. In fact, his father was a pastor in, in Puerto Rico. And, um, and uh, so Mike was from Puerto Rico, but we, came, we became very close friends. And um, I was on the board um, of the Puerto Rico Baptist College for a period of time, but because of the logistics of me trying to get the board meetings, it just wouldn't come together. Uh, I had to resign, I had to get off the board. I hated to do that because uh, I was so connected with Mike and Linda and the work there in Puerto Rico. <clears throat> but it's not a big school. I don't know how many students they have now. I think when I was there, they, they may have had 30 students, maybe, maybe more than that, I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, but Mike Casillas trained preachers from all over uh, Latin America, Dominican Republic. And, uh, and Mike himself personally planted several churches in Puerto Rico and sent, uh, and sent men out from that school down into the Dominican Republic and, and elsewhere in Latin American countries and planted churches. There are, there are churches all over the Latin, Latin America uh, that, uh, that were planted by uh, graduates of Puerto Rico Baptist College. And so I'm so glad, Reggie, that you and, and the others on that team had the privilege to go there and, and minister to that work. Mike, Mike was with the Lord, I think, when you were down there, wasn't he? Yeah. And, uh, but he was a godly man. Some of you got the chance to meet him. He was here at Good News several times. I think the first time he came, Linda was with him, and then in the process of time, she went to be with the Lord and so forth. But I thank God for ministries like that. And Howard Chapel, the same. You know, Howard planted uh, several churches. He planted one in, uh, in um, Jamaica, um, one in St. Kitts, and uh, we had the privilege of being there several times. And then in Aruba, and uh, we had the privilege of being there with, with, uh, with uh, Howard Chapel down in Aruba. But anyway, um, short-term missions can be, you know, and God doesn't, we don't always see the result of our labors. And the truth is that as, as labors for the Lord, regardless of what we do, but the witness we give is only seed that we plant. And we don't always see how God germinates that seed, maybe later, and, uh, and it bears fruit. I just reseeded. I didn't just reseed. I, I killed my backyard and, and, and seeded it. I've got a new, uh, new crop of grass growing in my backyard. But when all, when all the grass came up, you know, there were, there were spots that I thought, why didn't that grass grow there? Well, it's all filled in now. Why? Because some of that seed laid there for a little while before it germinated. 
And that's the way it is when we plant seed for God. Some of that seed just lays around for a little while and then God throws some water on it. And, uh, and somebody else comes and, and adds a little bit of fertilizer to the seed, you know. And finally God says, okay, it's time for this seed to germinate. And that's the way it is when we serve God. We don't always get to see the results. And the fact is that, that a lot of us will never really see the results of our ministry until we get in heaven. We get a little discouraged sometimes because we don't see things uh, like we want to see them. Uh, I, I wanted to see all that grass right away, you know. Looks pretty good now. Mowed it yesterday for the second time. And, um, but the truth is that we don't always get to see the fruit of our labors here on this side until we get to heaven and then we see what God has done. And so thank you so much, uh, men and ladies uh, who've gone on these trips. I want you to look at the last, I want you to look at the conclusion of these notes. Last page, look at this, look at this conclusion. And uh, I'm gonna close with this and then we'll come back and I'll finish this lesson next week. So bring, bring your notes back with you next week, okay? Fold them in half and put them in your Bible so you won't lose them. If done well, short-term missions can be a fruitful way to carry the gospel to the whole world. Sending out short-term workers is the responsibility of the church, and it should be done regularly by the church and supported by the church family as a whole. If you have an opportunity to go on a short-term mission trip, what's the last two words? Sign up. Sign up. Really, I'm serious. Reggie said he was an old man, but God ain't finished with him yet. And Reggie, there's probably another missions trip you can go on, seriously. And the, the truth with some of you, you'd be amazed. You know, some of you go on one of those trips for the intentions of doing the cooking. I mean, these men that work, you know, they, they eat. Some of them eat too much, but they do eat. And, uh, you know, be a, it, it would be surprising to you what you might be able to do. Now, I realize that some of us are, little, are limited physically and so on, but if you have an opportunity to go on a short-term missions trip, sign up for it. And you find out what maybe you can do on that trip. And then, as Reggie mentioned in his, uh, in his comments, that... Um, some of those guys that went on that trip didn't know what they were going to do or how they were going to do it. But God always has a plan, and he knows how to work his plan, doesn't he? Lord, thank you so much for what we've heard today. Thank you for these testimonies. Thank you for working. Uh, thank you for the work that was done. But God, thank you for the work that you've done. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that as this church, Good News Baptist Church, continues to, uh, to send trips, uh, uh, teams, Lord, on various uh, missionary trips and other places of the world, that we'll be effective at that. And I pray, God, that there would be a number, maybe even in this class, Lord, that could do something that they don't really even have any indication at this point that they could do except just to be a blessing to the missionary. And Lord, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's worth a trip in itself, just to be an encouragement, to 
to some long-term missionary. It's been there a long time. And so, God, we just pray that you will use us for your glory. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's Word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.